This episode of the Paddock Pass podcast is brought to you by Renthal Street. From race to adventure, custom to naked, look no further than Renthal Street for handlebars, clip-ons, chains, and sprockets. Hello and welcome to the Paddock Pass podcast brought to you by Renthal Street. Go to renthal.com to check out chains, sprockets, handlebar mounts and lots of other parts for your motorcycle. On today's Paddock Pass podcast, we're going to be talking the Isle of Man TT in around about 12 hours from when this podcast is recorded. So around about the time we're actually going to publish the podcast, TT23 is going to be underway. So we've got a special guest on today's Paddock Pass podcast, Tony Goldsmith, the top Manx photographer and a friend of the Paddock Pass podcast from his time in the MotoGP paddock is joining us on the pod and Tony what are you looking forward to most about the TT other than the fact that I'm not going to be in your house for practice week so you got a full week before I arrive on the island I actually think that is the thing I'm looking forward to the most Steve is a bit of peace and quiet for practice week just get out and do my own thing uh, and not have to worry about having you in tow looking after you in fairness, I, I do need a lot of looking after, but I did cook up some good dinner for you last year, so you'll have that to look forward to at least during race week. Well, one thing, uh, as you know, we've got an extension being built here at the moment, and just outside the door of the extension is a toilet which we've got drafted in just for you, mate. So uh, you'll have a nice <laughs> little ensuite whilst you're sleeping in the in the back garden. Ah, yeah, sure. Look, as long as there's good weather tone, it back garden doesn't bother me and it does look like the weather is going to be good all the way through tt23 this year because i'm sitting here in dublin and it's 23 degrees sunday night it's been like this for a week it's been unbelievably good weather here and the isle of man's been the same yeah no the the weather here has been really good which is both maybe a blessing and a curse i don't know i'm a i'm a i've got a slight concern that the 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 weather is going to break, but from what I've seen so far, the forecast is really good and, and we should be getting some really fast times during pra- the end of practice, I think. Yeah, because obviously, Tony, the weather dictates so much for the TT. I remember when we were there in 2018, five years ago, we had probably the best weather anyone could remember for a TT and it translated to being the fastest TT that anyone had seen. We saw lap records smashed, we saw race records smashed. And it could be the same again this year, just because obviously with the new schedule as well and different changes to the event, it's going to mean that everyone's going to be able to get an awful lot of laps in before we even get to race week. Yeah, um, we're going to be seeing lap record speeds towards the end of practice week. Maybe not quite right up there, but the weather, as you say, is extremely important when it comes to the TT. Uh, the guys are going to have a huge amount of track time, so I'd be very optimistic at the speeds that we're going to get at this year's event. What do you think, though, Tony, about the new schedule? Obviously, we've got big changes to the TT for this year. We've now got eight solo races, and uh, there's different changes as well to the duration of some of the races. So the Super Stock race is now a three-lap race, and um, the schedule itself has has changed pretty dramatically. I think it's got something that's going to divide opinion. Uh, definitely, maybe the purists, people who've been coming for a long time, are not going to like the changes. Uh, maybe the people who are coming for the first time, they're obviously not going to notice any difference. And I, I personally can see why they've done it. It breaks it down into little pockets for people to come over rather than having everyone just coming over for the main first weekend. So I'm I'm optimistic that we're going to see groups of people coming at different times and whether I'm... Th- there's bits about the, the, the schedule that maybe 
are not so good. I think some of the riders are not happy about the breakdown of some of the races, but overall I'm I'm in favour of what they've done, but maybe that won't be a popular opinion amongst everybody. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's a good thing. At the end of the day, if we get more races, I'm happy with that. And uh, it's not the only change we're seeing this year as well, Tony. This is a change that is going to impact the speeds that we see. We're going to see slicks on super stock and super sport bikes for the first time. And that's going to mean that in all likelihood, we're going to see lap records in those classes, particularly the super sport class. We're going to see a milestone potentially with the first 130 mile an hour lap for a super sport bike. I think especially just going back to the weather with the practice week that we're going to have with the first super sport race, uh, the first race up on Saturday, I think there is a very good chance we'll see a, a plus 130 if, uh, if, oh, and I'm going to put me, put me neck on the on the block and saying that Michael Dunlop is going to be the man to beat. And if somebody's there pushing him, uh, will we see a 130 in there? There's a good chance, like you say, Steve, with the with the slick tyres, the weather, I think that we will see a 130 on uh, Saturday. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at that either, Tony. We've actually just, we've got a, a few snippets through the show as well. We've got an interview with Rennie Skaysbrook. He talks about the new schedule as well during that. We've also got Josh Brooks giving us some information about his return to the island. But before we get to any of that, Tony, I want to just bring us back to something that's been been in the news over the last few days. The new documentary series that we saw, No Room for Error, from the TT. What did you make of it? I, I haven't watched every episode yet. I've watched the first three. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I was hoping for maybe a little bit more. It it plays out a bit like a review of last year's TT with behind the scenes action, but I still re- I've still enjoyed it and still thought it paints the TT in a good light. Apart, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Steve. Do you? Would you agree? Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. I actually think that my favorite scene in it was Lee Johnson with his with his eye. And I thought it was really interesting to see how he dealt with that and then how the team dealt with him. It's your decision what you want to do. And I thought that it was a really interesting insight into what goes on behind the scenes on it. There's a lot of that through the course of the documentary, which is quite good. And then there's the usual kind of stuff that you expect from a road racing documentary where you've got everyone basically being a, a little bit raw than what you get in a lot of other sports documentaries. I thought it was I thought it was really good. I thought it painted the GT in a good light. I thought that they handled some of the, the big incidents very well too. And at the end of the day, last year's TT was tough. There was six six competitors lost their lives. And that's an element of the TT that you can never get past. It's always something that comes to the forefront every time we come to the TT. But Thank God that we've got the TT because when you go to the island and you, you stand trackside, you're beside the course, it's just something to behold. Like you were, you were obviously there, Tony, the first time I went to the Isle of Man and we were at Greba Castle the first night of practice and I nearly jumped off a wall at down 10 feet. I got uh, the bikes were, were that fast through that section. Some of the speeds that you, you witness at the TT, you just don't see anywhere else the prolonged speeds there and the proximity to the action that you can get as a fan. And obviously for us as for, as photographers as well, we can get into some some places that you wouldn't probably want to be in, but we're, we're there anyway. Uh, and we, we do it for our art, Steve. As you know, we suffer for our art. It is a suffer, Tony, whenever you're <laughs> literally inches away from the bikes as they blast past you. And I, I found, we found a couple of good spots last year, actually, that we hadn't been in the past. And... 
there's just nothing like the island. And, and it actually brings me to one of the questions I had for you later on in the show, Tony, but we might as well jump to it now. The challenge of being a road racing photographer versus a short circuit photographer, because short circuits, you're shooting tight. The TT, you basically don't want to see the bike. You want to see everything else. And the bike is just a small part of that picture. It's very rare that when you go to a short circuit race that you have to take that wide view of everything on such a regular basis. But at the TT, you've got, you know, you can have a canopy of trees. You've you've had a great picture of Michael Dunlop years ago at Bishop's Court with a giant canopy of trees, shadows and light. And it was it was mega because the bike was, was, like I said, almost irrelevant. And that's one of the big challenges that you have for the TT. Everywhere is special. You can shoot tight and you will get a good shot or you can shoot wide and you can get something epic. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's almost like you've got two hats when you're one, one for short circuit racing and one for the TT. And when I'm photographing the TT, I have a completely different mindset and what I'm trying to do. And as you, as you talked about, uh, trying to bring all of the track furniture and the backdrop and the trees, the spectators, and perhaps in a short circuit meeting, you might actually want to eliminate that, whereas the TT, you want to draw that in. So, yeah, no, it is a completely different photographic experience. Everyone that arrives at the TT for the first time, they don't really know where to go. They always look at it and think, oh, well, I want to go to certain places that are famous. Places like the K-Tree, uh, Balakrai, Kronkavadi, uh, places like that where you get exciting big jumps and so places like that perhaps Steve but yeah I think you've benefited from being a, a friend of mine that you've been able to advance your knowledge of the circuit quite quickly by being able to just come along with me whereas I think you would be the first to admit it would be really difficult coming over on your own and trying to find where those places are and how to get around the island to go from one place to the other there's a lot of local knowledge i think helps in that regard yeah it definitely does and i think it's one of those things that when you get to the course it's almost like you just have to ride or drive around the course find somewhere that you think is going to be quite cool and then just set up camp for the day and then go to the next one and it's something that i remember talking to ollie rushby about in the past ollie obviously a a former journalist a press officer now for yamaha and bsb and i remember ollie saying that the first year he went to the TT, he knew a lot of the milestones. And then each year he's gone, he's tried to learn five new corners or five new corner names and just build up his knowledge all the way through. And I think that's the beauty of the TT. And that's why so many people come back year after year, just because it's it's like nothing else. It's a festival in a lot of ways. And the people that go are just incredibly passionate about it. And that shines through all, all the way through the fortnight as well. And Tony, just before we cut to an interview with with Rennie Skaysbrook, just to to finish that off, what's been one of the significant pictures you've taken, one of the big moments that you've captured during the course of the TT over the years? I suppose one that does spring to mind, which was actually used on the cover of last year's programme, is a picture of John kissing the the senior TT trophy after winning it in 2015, I think it was, or 16, which is his last win. Uh, And I'd been photographing out at I'm gonna say Milne Town and then I decided to just do four laps of that race because I wanted to get back to cover the to cover the podium and I had a few issues trying to get back with the with the traffic so I literally ran straight out into pit lane to get the the podium celebrations and then 
plumped myself down just to the right of John. And as he was kissing the trophy, and I just said, could you do that again? And whilst looked straight down my lens and thankfully he did. So uh, that, yeah, that would be, that would be one. And it was a, it was really nice to see that get used on the program cover last year. Yeah. And it's also quite special when you walk into the media center at the TT, there's two giant Tony Goldsmith pictures there on the wall now, since they've changed to new digs from last year, we're going to take a quick break on the podcast, but to, to give everyone an insight into what it's like to be a competitor at the TT, we had a chat with Rennie Skaysbrook. Rennie is a journalist and a content producer for Cycle News and he's racing again this year at the TT. So we sat down with him for five minutes just before he went out to do some laps of the course. Rennie Skaysbrook joining us on the Paddock Pass podcast. And Rennie, am I talking to you as a writer or am I talking to you as just the hero of all of us journalists getting the chance to race the TT for... Wilson Craig Racing, one of the top teams over the last 15 years in the paddock. Yeah, it's it's it still seems kind of strange to say I'm actually doing it. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely a journo first and a racer second, and to get the you know confidence of these guys to be able to go for a ride is is really really nice. Um, you know, TT has obviously been something I've been trying to do for so long, and I only ever thought I was only going to get one crack at it last year. But you know, it's like that. The thing once you get bitten, um, and then the, the option to come back with a really good team like this was was available. So, and to ride a big bike as well, so you tick that one off as well. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. How did the whole deal come together with the team? Uh, you can thank Mr. David Johnson for that. Um, good old Davo, as you can thank him pretty much for the first one too. So, Davo um, put me in touch with Paul Phillips uh, in 2019 to. And that was going to happen. That eventually happened with PRF Racing last year, and this year uh, again, we were just talk, we were just chatting away, and he said, "Oh, do you want me to mention this to Darren Gilpin and Wilson Craig?" I'm like, yeah, sure. Because at that stage, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to get the chance to come back. And that was probably about, well, say about August or August or September last year, so not long after the, the previous TT. And yeah, it came about real quick. Paul Paul Phillips and the TT government helped out immensely again um helping out as far as like getting me on the bike giving me accommodation you know all that stuff i've had the i've had the red carpet treatment which is uh which i'm very (laughs) very thankful for because you know there's so many external costs that go with racing especially event that this is this big i mean like god if i had to pay for it out of my pocket it just was never going to happen so um yeah i've got paul phillips and and uh, david johnson to thank pretty much for that and obviously darren gilpin for saying yes and, and putting me on the bike yeah david gets a lot of thanks and a lot of blame from a lot of people i don't know why it always works like that with david but uh it's it's a big challenge obviously to come to the tt you've got a lot of experience in the u.s pikes peak and lots of different racing over there but to jump over to something totally different how did you find last year Last year was good. I mean, I, I wanted to do it on the 600 initially because that was what I've been racing predominantly in America. Um, and, you know, I was always quite comfort, com- I was always quite comfortable on, on a 600. Uh, I had done so much study, so many watching, so much watching of onboard laps, played that TT game to death. Like, I actually think I wore off the green on the button on the, on the, on the controller. Um yeah, it was just, uh, I, I, I knew exactly where I was going. I, I kind of, I did the same mindset that I did when I was playing Pikes Peak, or preparing, I should say, for Pikes Peak, which is play the game, watch a lap. If there's enough time, watch another lap, put it away. And so I did that for last year. So when I turned up, it, was, it wasn't it was that wasn't that uh, shocking at first. First couple of laps 
yeah, it's it's something else. The first, the, uh, the first time I actually got my, I had enough of a break, I guess. There's, that's you don't really you never get a rest, but the first time you can kind of relax a bit was down Solby Strait. I was following Milky Quail on that one lap where they're supposed to do the whole day, but managed to only get one lap on my first night. I was just like, this is freaking crazy. Like it just, it, it was it was so much more intense than I ever gave credit for. Um, but, you know, once you get that one lap under your belt, you're like, okay, break it down into sections, understand where you need, because you can pretty much figure out with any racetrack, you can figure out pretty soon where you need help, where, where you don't. And so I just kind of came back, thought about it, went, all right, just then just start taking it little steps at a time. And, you know, I mean, I approach these things, the TT, much differently, I think, to guys that are running, racing for the win. You know, I mean, I'm, I know my position in the, in the hierarchy and it's, you know, it's a, if you ever want to have your ego destroyed, this is the place to come do it. And um, so you got to, I just take it little, little steps at a time, just a little eke away at it. I don't want to put myself in a position where I know um, it could be a bit risky. Um, yeah, I'm not, as I say, I'm not going for the win on this one. So my 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 objective with this is obviously to get on the plane, going back at the same position, the same condition as when I got off the plane, and come out with a with some great stories. Um, so I can try and tell the people what it's really like to do this kind of event because a lot of guys can get out there and do this sort of stuff and put videos together and all that stuff. But my, my job as a writer and, and a content producer, and I want to do the best job I can for, for the TT as well, because it's mean the race means a hell of a lot to me and my, uh, and my family. Where's everyone going to be able to read and see all that content as well? Then It's right? going to be around a few places, but predominantly you'll be able to get it on cycle news. Um, so cyclenews.com uh, is where the features themselves will come out. All the other stuff as well. Uh, the couple of websites and magazines in Australia uh, will be doing stuff. MCNews.com.au and Australian Roadrider magazine will, will be doing a couple of things. Um, and there'll be you know, whoever else wants me to do a story from, I guess. But there'll also be uh, the YouTube stuff going on. So I'll be doing not daily vlog updates like I used to. There'll be every second or so day because um, you don't want them to be too same same of like they were last year. But yeah, that's going to be where you'll be able to catch a lot of the stuff. Plus, obviously, my uh, social media and Cycle News social media will be doing uh, videos, reels, posts, all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot of things going on. But predominantly, you go to cyclenews.com is where you're going to see the most of the stuff. You said that you found that this is like any other track. There's areas you know that you need to find an improvement. Areas need a bit of help. For you, after year one, where were the main areas for that? Oh, man, uh, honestly. There's just so many sections. It's not like I, I maybe I didn't say it right. It's not like any regular racetrack for sure. But like I, I didn't find any particular point where I was completely head screwed um, on the track. Everywhere you need, you can always improve everywhere. Um, the area that I absolutely adored was uh, from Balacrine to Cronkabody. Like that whole section was just beautiful. Um, that was real short circuit scratch style um you know speeds weren't too high so you could really max out you can't fit on the 600 it was beautiful don't know what's gonna be like on the big bike um but there's a couple of sections that are that are proper scary um uh, which i wrote one of the one of the scariest corners is actually after the crocker body the dr molyneux right hander like that's a that's a big that's a man's corner that one um you know when you fire it in there it 
you know, basically fifth or sixth gear and then the road just disappears away from you and then it's wheeling as going as you're going down the hill because obviously you're not freewheeling you got to keep the thing under t- under the taps so that's a big one um and then ginger holder ramsey is 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 probably the most technically difficult the bumps everyone knows the bumps uh but it's also really really dark there's a lot of shade um i think the the most for me, the most challenging point of the whole circuit is um, Bishop's Court. Uh, Bishop's Court through to uh, Belife Bridge. That that I kind of imagined almost like riding a piece of spaghetti. You know, you just uh, it, it's so narrow and it's so fast that you you have to just kind of line it up and try and keep it as straight as possible. Uh, but the last section where there's the little jump and then you throw it in right, like that's a that's a real tricky section. And and yeah, you're going you're going pretty a fair clip when you go through there. So there's those sections and and then also places like the mountain as well. I mean, the mountain is a place where there's huge amounts of time to be made up. Got to take the risk uh, to really do it because it is so fast. Um, absolutely love uh, Brandish corner the left-hander milky quail tells me he goes this is this is the corner if, if carlsberg made corners this is the corner and he was <laughs> he was right that's such a great that's so much fun that corner because you can just bank it in at high speed and then accelerate out you're doing 140 150 mile an hour when you get out there on the exit which is pretty good it's a good feeling just one last question then before we let you get yourself back onto the track and get your prep on for practice week the change in the schedule what do you make of it obviously we've got extra races this year but also for you jumping onto a superbike, you're now able to, well, your practice time changes compared to last year, whereas a newcomer, you were able to be out on your 600 every session if you wanted. Now you actually, it's much more structured for when you can go out on certain bikes. Yeah, I I don't know. You have to ask me after a couple of days, but I, I would have liked, my personal feeling would be I would have preferred to have run the Sunday practice like we did last year. Um, it, it makes the Monday practice this year obviously very important but there's a lot of stuff that's happening on monday it doesn't give you a lot of time to sort of get your get your bearings um and you could use friday you could use sunday sorry last year to just get yourself get your brain up to speed whereas now like you're missing a whole day so you've got to basically be out there and go flat stick so i don't know not my i wouldn't have chosen it that way um a bit of a bummer that we haven't been able to run at Derby this year uh, because of the pre TT classic thing that's happening. Um, that was, you know, I wasn't, wasn't real happy about that because I, I really wanted to get a bit of time, but you know, it is what it is the same for everybody. Uh, but the overall, I go, I don't have to change bikes. That's a good thing. Like the, a lot of the guys are running, you know, super bike senior. Some guys are running super bike senior and twins uh, and super sport. So they're doing everything. Uh, I only have one bike to deal with as I did with last year. I like the fact that. I can run that bike in all those classes because there's nothing like racing um, and as far as getting your eye in. But now I've got – so I worked it out that last year I had – with the race because they were both shortened, I got caught five racing laps. If this year happens and there's no there's no delays, no shortened races or anything like that, I'll have 18 racing laps. So it's a, it's a big difference. Plus – all the practice laps and everything. Um, it's going to be a lot of riding. Uh, I'm going to be properly shagged at the end of this one. So uh, looking forward to it. You know, the bike's going to be beautifully prepared as always. You know, the team's fantastic. It's great to have the 
Wilson Craig Racing on the leathers and yeah, just right. Just want to get this started. It's been a it's been a whole year. I want to want to get this show on the road. Well, you've already done the first thing you have to do as a road racer. You said that for doing the interview, I owe you a beer. So you're already halfway there to being a, a full on <laughs> road racer. So best of luck for the fortnight, Rennie, and uh, we'll catch up with you over on the island. Renthal Street Chain and Sprockets are perfectly matched for maximum power transfer and efficiency. From racetrack to daily rider, with over 800 fitments, Renthal Street has a final drive solution for almost any bike. Use Renthal.com to find the correct fitment. Some great insight there from the Wilson Craig Racing rider, Rennie Skaysbrook, and best of luck for the TT this year, Rennie. Tony, just uh, as we move on to TT23 in a little bit more detail, obviously the last what, five years of the TT have been all about Peter Hickman and Dean Harrison. And this year looks like being no exceptions to that. Hickey's going to start as your clear favourite again. Yeah, I think it would be difficult to be putting um, any money on anyone other than Hickey, particularly on uh, when it comes to the super bike and the super stock. He's obviously going to be very competitive on the super sport. And as we saw last year when... When Michael broke down in the lightweight race, uh, he went on to win that one as well. So it's going to be very difficult to to rule him out. But obviously, Dean is going to be extremely fast. Uh, Connor and Davy Todd are going to be very competitive. And um, I think Michael is looking particularly lean. And the leanest I can remember seeing him in a long time, he looks fit and determined and he rode well at the northwest 200 so i wouldn't discount him uh from a win on a superbike at this year's tt i think i think something that you've talked about in the past steve is as has he got the pace anymore on uh, on a superbike the outright pace to to win and i wouldn't be surprised to see a, a dunlop on the top of the step on the on the top step when it comes to the senior this year I'm sticking my neck on the block, Steve. That's twice you've done that now today, Tony. But I know, I know. It's a bit foolish, isn't it? <laughs> the first one wasn't foolish, that uh, Michael could be in the 130 club on a super sport bike, which personally I think would be absolutely incredible. And it does look very likely that'll happen. Michael's looked really motivated this year. He's only five wins behind Joey. And given that yes. we've got the super twins, super sport, he could easily pick up quite a lot of wins this this year. And I think that's one of the big things for me is like the man of the meeting could well not be Peter Hickman because it could well be Dunlop. I think that one of the big talking points obviously over the last year has been tyres as well, Tony, because if you think back to last year, Dean Harrison changed tyre manufacturers in the run up to the TT and he was a little bit behind the curve all the way through TT22. But now you'd certainly expect him to be much more competitive all the way through this this year's meeting. And then it comes down to what everyone else decides to do as well. Obviously, we saw more tyre issues at the Northwest 200 for the Dunlop tyres. Yes, it was a shame to see those tyre issues uh, again at this year's event at the Northwest 200. So I really hope that they've got that dealt with when it comes to the TT. Obviously, we saw the effect it had on Davey. Uh, particularly, we, we we got to see some of the behind-the-scenes footage of that in the, um, in, in the show that we were just talking about earlier. And it really did have an impact on him, and I, and I really, I'm not surprised. I don't think, I don't think my head would be in the right space if a tire delaminated on me at nearly 200 miles an hour on Solby Straight. So, uh, tire tires could could be a big issue for this year's TT. But I really hope that Dunlop have got this situation sorted, and that we don't have a repeat of that this year. Yeah, hundred percent. And just about Davy Todd then as well, Tony. Let's talk about the Pagets team because last year. 
very impressive year for that team. Connor Cummins made a big step forward again and showed just how competitive he can still be at the TT. And then Davy Todd, Northwest 200, he was a race winner in the Super Sport class. He looks primed and ready to make that step at the TT as well. He's a rider that if he gets podiums, you're not going to be surprised. If he wins a race, I don't think he'd be too surprised either, particularly in the Super Sport class. But Todd looks like that next generation coming through and it's only a matter of time before he's able to get the podiums and the wins. Yeah, uh, Davey does look like somebody who was ready to take that next step. And so it wouldn't be a surprise to see him maybe, as you say, on a super sport, but he's going to have to go some to beat Michael Dunlop uh, at the, on the TT course on a, on a super sport machine, that's for sure. Uh, Connor, obviously being a local man, I would absolutely love to see Connor win one. Uh, he had one cruelly taken away from him and back in, uh, I'm going to say, 2010 when uh, he had a problem when he was riding for the McAdoo, McAdoo team. So you could imagine the party on the Isle of Man, Steve, if, if Connor Cummins was to was to grab a win at this year's event. Yeah, and I think it's not beyond the realms of possibilities for Connor as well. Last year, very strong TT. And this year, just with the good weather we're going to have should be very competitive. They should have that dial- bike really well dialed in. And I think for everyone, it wouldn't just be about Connor winning. It'd be great to see Padgett's winning again as well after all that they've put in over the last few years. And that kind of brings us, Tony, to another rider that uh, is always talked about the TT, John McGuinness. He hasn't been the, the McGuinness of old for a number of years, but uh, you'd certainly still not be surprised to see him put up some decent results during the course of the, the TT this year, but obviously to make that step to be up there competing for race wins and podiums is a step too far. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I'd be very surprised if if we saw John win one, and I think we'd all love to see him back on the podium. And it's not something that is beyond him, but with the with the amount of experience he has, but at some point age catches up with everybody. As you know, I've just turned fifty myself, so. Having just turned 50, I, I really can't imagine how somebody at that, that age can still race around the TT course like he does. But So I think that's quite impressive. But maybe a top five, or maybe sneak a podium if uh, other people have some mechanical gremlins. John's obviously going to go off at number three this year, Tony, which means Davo Johnson back at number one on the road. What's the big difference that that makes as well during the course of, of a race at the TT? To be that first on the road is always tough to actually get the job done as you say steve we've got davo starting at number one this year and we've all heard john refer to himself as the road sweeper in the past being the guy that scared the rabbits out of the the hedges and the birds out of the trees so is a it seems like a very different prospect when you start a, a race from number one at the tt it wouldn't make any difference anywhere else but i think here it does and you don't see if you look if you look through the the starting list, all the guys that you're fancying to win the race are not wanting to start at number one. So, uh, with due respect to Davo, I am um, I don't see him being a race winner. So maybe he's happy to start at number one with a with a clear field in front of him and maybe surprise surprise us and get get himself on the podium. Just on the starter numbers as well, Tony, Josh Brooks is going off at number seven on the FHO BMW. He's teammates to Peter Hickman. Obviously a very strong start to the BSB season for Josh. He's been winning races up there second in the championship. Looks very comfortable, very confident with that team. We know that Josh is a rider that whenever he's happy with the people around him, he can really do special things. Even when you look at him as a road racer, 
He's been able to be quite strong at the Northwest in the past. He's been able to be a 131 mile an hour man on a Norton on the island. So we know that he's fast in, in road racing trim as well. He's now experienced at the TT. Coming back now, a year with the weather like we're going to have, and the fact that he's going to be able to focus predominantly on the big bikes, only just recently announced he's going to be on the Super Twins as well. But uh, for for him, it's going to be a real opportunity to spring a surprise. And I think for me, he's probably the one rider this year that I'm really keeping an eye on because he could make a big jump in his lap time, get himself into into contention this year. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubting that Josh is a top quality rider. He's a two-time British Superbike champion, of course, and uh, he's definitely someone that has got the talent to compete with Hickey and Dino and Michael uh, for 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 a win. I just, it, but his TT career has been very stop-start. So my the only thing that would concern me in terms of Josh actually winning a race is is that lack of time that he's had at the TT. He's been away for five years, so. Uh, there's there's no doubt in my mind that if Josh had been at the TT every year, he'd be a multiple winner by now. But maybe this year might be one too soon. Uh, maybe this year will be a chance to get himself back on the pace and with a bit of luck, maybe sneak a, sneak a podium position. But I think maybe a win might be just a bit too far out of his grasp this year. But uh, next year we could be... For me, I kind of think if he can get himself into... A faster time than the 31s. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pushing on for a 34 by the end of the fortnight. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to challenge for a podium in the senior at the end of the two weeks, really have himself dialed in. As I said, we've got the chance to hear from Josh. So let's hear how he feels in the build up to the TT. I haven't actually uh, had a long time to be focused on the TT because we've been kind of really set on doing a good job in the BSB. But now that you know the the BSB sort of rounds done, and, and next up is TT. I can I can turn my mind to it, and um, I guess in a lot of ways I'm I'm quite calm about it because I I know what I'm in for. If, but you know, like a, a newcomer or someone like that would nervous because they don't know what they're uh, they're they're getting into. Where um, I guess I'm a little nervous because I I do know what I'm I'm going into. I think it comes from having five years away uh, I want to do a good job you know so I want to perform well and beat my personal best and stuff like that so that sort of carries a bit of energy about it and you know it, like any race like if I'm doing BSB or any other race I'm nervous because I want to do a good job you know I want to perform I don't want to you know let anybody down i've got you know great support people you know with the team and sponsors and, and everyone behind me I, you know i just want to do a good job so that's where the the energy of nerves and sort of expectation comes from but um in a, in a lot of ways i'm looking forward to it you know because it's the best motorcycle track that you can go to you know it's um anybody who's anyone that knows anything about motorbikes has almost at some point wanted to be at least doing a, a, a ride around the Isle of Man just to just to see it and then a lot of people have have said oh, I wish I could have ridden it or raced it and you know you're so lucky to be doing what you're doing so I'm looking forward to that you know that that side of things the enjoyment the fact that I'm getting to do something that's such a privilege to do 
so the bike and, and everything is is all of a you know perfect standard to to go and compete and be successful but um yeah i i don't know i'm just gonna have to wait and see results wise how i feel on the day and how i feel through practice and how it all comes to me Great to have the insight there from Josh Berg. Tony, just looking at the the list of bikes that we have this year, there's an awful lot of teams and riders running the Honda this year, particularly of the riders that you expect to see contending for, for big honours in the Superbike race. Yeah, it seems to be uh, that Honda have found their way back with the new Fireblade. Um, it, obviously, it's got a fantastic record in the hands of John, John McGuinness at the at the TT. So it's, it's really good to see that they... Look like they've got a very competitive package. Uh, we saw how well it went last year in the hands of Connor with his 133 mile per hour lap in the Superstock class. So um, it would be nice to maybe to see a, a Honda break up the recent BMW monopoly on the on the big bike class. Uh, maybe maybe we could see that Banks win, Steve. Yeah, I think uh, it wouldn't. It, it's not beyond the realms of possibilities. But it is a bit of a shame for the Honda running teams that Lee Johnson's out for the TT, Nathan Harrison's out for the TT, and obviously Lee had a, a very serious crash in the Northwest 200, and Nathan was doing what he could to get himself fit. But uh, there's two of the the top-seeded riders out of contention for for the whole TT. Because I think, Tony, obviously for you, you're, you're living in Onken, Nathan's hometown. He got his opportunity to be a factory Honda rider and then unfortunately got hurt at the Northwest. Yeah, it really took me by surprise last year, um, actually, with the speeds that he was able to do. I think, was he in the 128-mile-an-hour bracket last year uh, as a a privateer, which has obviously given him this opportunity with Honda, which he's been really unlucky with the the injury at the Northwest 200. Uh, And also, sadly, recently lost his mum. So I don't know if Nathan listens to this, but I think um, everyone from the podcast would like to extend their... Deeper sympathies to him and his family. For for Nathan, he said that it was one of the big things for him that she was one of his biggest supporters. And uh, obviously at the TT, everyone is supporting all the riders. Everyone appreciates the effort and, and just the, the sheer toll that the TT can take. But the pressure on riders to perform is always one of the interesting things to talk to the riders about. And I remember Glenn Erwin last year, obviously Glenn not racing this year. And uh, Glenn said that you always have to remember... It is a road race, the most important thing being to, to have fun at it and to come home safely. And that's obviously one of the big things that for the TT is always there in the back of the mind about the dangers and the risks. But for you as a photographer as well, Tony, during the course of the TT, it's not without risks as well, because there's a lot of the times when you're right there, basically on a curb, behind a wall, whatever it would be. And uh, you do feel quite exposed at different times. Well, I think you've probably got quite a good story for that, Steve, haven't you, from one of your first experiences when I took you to the St. Ninian's Crossroads? Yeah, standing at St. Ninian's, and uh, we were on the curb, and we were looking back towards the starting line, and we were trying to get ourselves into the right position to be able to get just the right shot. And then, and I said to you, Tony, whereabouts are we going to stand to take this shot, though, during the course of the session? And you said, right where we are. And I was quite confused, because... It felt to me like we were on the course. And then you made a very good point. No, no, Steve, we're on the footpath. And just below us is the course. But 
you know, we're not on the course, so don't worry about that. And uh, it was quite the eye-opening experience. The first time a flying lap, especially, came down through St. Ninian's. And that's a, a great place for anyone to watch as well. St. Ninian's and then down at the bottom of Bray Hill is is a great spot on the outside of the track. There's a big crowd there and you do get to see an awful lot of spectacular action all the way through. So it is something special as ever at the GT. And Tony, this year at the GT, are we going to see something special? Are we going to see someone win five races during the course of the TT? Just like what we saw from Hutchie all those years ago. Obviously, that was five out of five for Hutchie. But we could well see the likes of Hickman, Harris and Dunlop picking up multiple wins in multiple classes, which could see them clocking on for that five in a, in a week. Yeah, and obviously the the new the new race format and the new the new schedule is with the extra races is increasingly the chances of somebody doing that. Um, if I was going to put my money on anyone to do that, it would be uh, Peter Peter Hitman. But um, at the same time, a good outside bet for something like that would be Michael Dunlop with his his recent dominance in the Supersport class. So. Uh, can we see someone de- do that? Definitely we could. Will we? Who who knows? I would like to see the wins spread out a little bit, actually, and, uh, and and not have somebody completely dominate the event like Peter did last time. I think for me, Tony, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say we're not gonna see anyone do five in a week. I think that I think Michael's got a real chance of three wins this year between the Super Twins having the extra race and then the Super Sport class. I think you could win three out of those four. I think obviously Hickey starts off as your clear favourite in the senior and the superbike and probably the stock class as well. But the stock class can be very competitive too. And I think that's where someone like Dunlop can always surprise in the stockers. Dino's very good in the stock class. The change to slick tyres, we'll see what difference that makes as well. And that all comes down to as well, which tyres you're running. If you're on the Dunlops, you're going to feel that maybe over the three lap duration, that's going to be working more in your favor compared to a six lap superbiker senior. So I think that there's a, a lot of factors that are going to go into it, but I I think that we're going to see the race wins split quite a bit through the course of this year. I think the the man of the meeting is going to be decided by their podium count more than their win count this year. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree. Uh, I, I, I think we will see the races split, the race wins split. And it would, it, as I said uh, previously, it would be nice not to see someone completely dominate the event. And and I know I'm going to keep banging on this drum, but I would love to see Connor Cummins win one. Yeah, I think everyone would. Let's let's bring us to a, a next question, Tony. Just at the end of the show, first time winner, you want to see Connor do it? Will he do it? My heart says yes. My head says no. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Tony. Let's go for an easier one then. Who'll be a first time podium man at the TT this year? Uh, Davy Todd, I'm gonna. I would. I would say as a maybe getting on the superbike senior podium. Uh, as, as we saw, he was on in really good form at the Northwest 200. He rode really well throughout last season on in the Superstock class and BSB, uh, and he looks like a guy who is hungry and ready to take that next step. I do think Davy Todd is uh, the most likely man to do it, and uh, I definitely think that given what we saw last year, Tony. Davy's probably the most spectacular rider all the way around the, the mountain course as well. So that would certainly be something worth seeing if he's able to get himself onto the podium. And as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he's able to challenge for a race win in the super sport class. So, Tony, are we going to see a new outright lap record during the course of TT23? Are we going to see the first 136 mile an hour lap? Well, as you know, Steve, there's a lot of parameters that come into play for it 
breaking lap records and we've heard countless riders say they they want to win the race at the slowest time so um but the weather conditions are certainly looking favorable at the moment and we've been obviously talking a lot of riders up that we think may be able to challenge peter hickman so um i'm going to say yes I think I think so as well, Tone. And in the sidecar class, we haven't actually talked about the sidecars at all yet, but uh, the Birchall brothers will go off at number one. And for me, I'm looking forward to seeing if the Crow brothers at number three can spring a bit of a surprise. They had their podium last time out at TT22. But uh, I think that they could, well, at the end of the day, to challenge the Birchalls is incredibly difficult. But the Crow brothers look very similar in their trajectory through the course of the last few years compared to the Birchalls when they were coming through. And I think if anyone's going to stop the Crows, uh, sorry, sorry, stop the Birchalls, it could be the Crows. What do you think about the sidecars this year, Tone? Yeah, um, talking about the Crows, I think one of my favourite uh, scenes in the in the show was was the emotion when, uh, when I'm not sure which one of the two Crows brothers it was actually, um, but when he went over to, to hug his dad and you just see the emotion uh, it was a it was a really fantastic moment. Um, as to whether I think they can push the bir- they definitely got the the speed to push the Birchalls, but I can't see them beating the Birchalls at this stage in their TT career. But without doubt, if they keep on the trajectory that they're on, they're going to be winning TTs in the not too distant future. In the sidecar class this year, Tony is is your mate Quirky racing. Quirky is racing, as far as I know. Uh, the last time I talked to him about it, he was uh, away. He was going away to do some testing, and he was trying to meet up with his passenger, who I think lives in the UK, actually. So, but yeah, big Quirky is going to be racing. So people need to keep their eyes peeled for the blue and yellow custard chucker sidecar. I'm not sure what number he'll be, but he's normally fairly easy to spot. And if you see him, give him a wave and cheer him on. Because uh, he's a he's a he's a top man, and I've known him since we were kids. Yeah, it is special at home whenever you see one of your friends out there on the mountain course and doing what they love to do. And I think especially whenever you see Quirky in the middle of the paddock and you see the size of him, <laughs> and you think, how in the name of God do you manage to fit into one of those sidecars? But he manages year on year, and he finds someone year on year that's willing to sit beside him as well. Well, I asked him how um, his spring testing had gone and he said it had gone well. He'd fitted into his leathers, so that was enough for him. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty much all it takes just to make sure he's TT ready. And Tone, we're pretty much TT ready as well. By the time everyone listens to this podcast, TT practice for 2023 should be underway. It's scheduled to start 10.40 on Monday morning. We've got a week of practice and then a week of races and uh, Tony I'm looking forward to getting out to the island during the course of race week I've obviously got the World Superbikes at Mazzano this weekend coming so I'm going to miss out on practice week but TT Plus does make it possible to be able to keep yourself up to date on all the action through the course of the TT and for anyone that doesn't have a TT Plus subscription it's 30 euro but you get a 20% discount if you use the voucher code Paddock Pass when you're purchasing that. So check out your TT Plus subscription to be able to get live t- live coverage all the way through the TT. It's actually going to be quite interesting this year, Tony, as well. Ian Hutchinson is going to be on the panel as well as a pundit. And uh, obviously everyone wishing that Hutchie was able to be out on, on the course. But it's going to be good to get his insight during the course of TT23. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, one of the things that really benefit TT Plus last year uh, was Dave O'Johnson's injury. You know, obviously it didn't benefit Davo, but 
I think the the insight that he was able to bring was was absolutely fantastic. So uh, hopefully we can look forward to hearing a, a similar in, insight from a multiple winner like Hutchie. So there's not many people with as much experience around the TT uh, as he has. So he should be able to, be able to bring some good some good knowledge into into the commentary. Yeah, Hutchie, of course, 16 wins and all the injuries held him back from many more wins as well. He's been one of the fastest and most consistent riders of the TT over the course of the last 15 years. So I'm looking forward to hearing his insights during the course of this year's event. And uh, like you said, Tony, last year, Davo Johnson made a big impact on it. And I remember catching up with Davo at uh, Phillip Island at the end of last year and just telling him how good of a job he did. And he said he doesn't want to do it again for the next few <laughs> years. He wants to be out there racing. And certainly it's going to be good to see him off at number one when racing gets underway. Uh, when when racing gets underway on Saturday the 3rd of June with the opening Supersport race of TT 2023. And Tony, I'll be beside you by the time... Uh, we get uh, midway through race week and I can't wait for it. And I know you can't wait for it as well. This is basically what uh, what you wait for all the way through the year. Well, my my uh, TT prep has started this weekend by trying to clear out all of the boxes that are currently in your bedroom in our house. Because as you know, Steve, we've got an extension going on at the moment. So uh, that's been fun trying to find homes for everything. So hopefully we'll have that all done by the time you arrive next week. But otherwise, you might be in a tent in the garden. Ah, well, look, like I said, Tony, as long as the weather's good, the garden's not the end of the world. So <laughs> thanks for coming back on to the Paddock Pass podcast, Tony. And I'm sure after the TT, we'll get the chance to sit down and have a little bit of a review as well. Thank you very much, Steve. And a big thank you to Renthal Street for supporting the Paddock Pass podcast. We'll be back next week with a World Superbike review show from Mizano. And uh, we'll also have plenty of other content coming your way on patreon.com forward slash Paddock Pass podcast. So check that out. And uh, like I said a moment ago as well, check out the TT Plus subscription with the voucher code Paddock Pass to get a 20% discount. And you'll be able to keep up to date all the way through the TT 2023.